Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me as always is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, Merchant's Corner, the redevelopment of the former Merchant's Hotel, held its grand opening on Saturday. RC360 was in attendance at a community learning session prior to the opening, and we'll speak with community coordinator Shannon Bunn and architect Hijab Mitra to learn more. Then, coverage of the Winnipeg Without Poverty report launch. We will speak with Lori English, who is the chair of the steering committee, and Kirsten Bernass, steering committee member, researcher, and author of the report to learn more. Then, looking for some fun things to do with your family this summer, RC360 sat down with Sandy Hopkins, the CEO of Habitat for Humanity Manitoba, to talk about a few upcoming events that will get people active and thinking in medieval ways. We were also in attendance at the Westland Foundation's 12th Annual Breakfast in support of the Westland Foundation Education Fund. And we spoke with Greg Greg Hansen, who was the keynote speaker for the event, about education, as it pertains to youth and to true reconciliation within our city. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360. My name is Nolan. Your name is Robert. How are you doing this fine day, sir? Doing not too badly. How about yourself? I'm good. You know why I'm good? Because go Jets go. Tonight is game four in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. Um... It's at 8.30 start time for some reason, late one. So get your afternoon naps in now because (laughs) uh, it's going to be a late one, especially with how close the games have been recently. Uh, They won on Tuesday night, 7-4, but the game was pretty close. It was 4-3 for a long time, and then uh, 4-4, 5-4, and then the Jets got two empty netters. But it's going to be a close one tonight. (sighs) If it goes into overtime, like, can we just call all of work off for Friday? Like Winnipeg just doesn't have to go to work on Friday? At least for the morning. I don't know about that. Do I have the authority to do that (laughs) here at River City 360? Do we have the authority to just say, take the day off tomorrow if it goes late tonight? Well, not not a hundred percent. Not a hundred percent sure we've got uh, got set authority, but um, you know what? Go for a, it. It's been a pretty great series. It actually tell your you boss know, Robert said you could have the day off tomorrow. <laughs> Robert from River City 360. That's right. Um, no, the uh, you know it's been a really great series, and it. it it's funny the series almost has the makings of a stanley cup final even though we're a few rounds ahead of it it's been so back and forth and a a really uh great match between the two teams and yeah whoever wins this game whoever wins this series has got to be the favorite for at least the west you know because it's playing well they're playing well the jets are playing well the Preds are obviously a very good team too. So I'm just kind of hoping for seven games. I don't know if my heart can take seven games because last <laughs> or, uh, Tuesday night I was like just on pins and needles and it's been uh, not great for my cardio, cardiovascular health. Or maybe it is good. I don't know. I don't know. Is it good to, to almost have a heart attack every f- 10 minutes or so? Well, I wouldn't say so. Probably not. Probably hey? not. Oh, well. But hopefully tonight, maybe the Jets can put a few goals in early and I won't have to be uh, so nervous and I won't, my heart won't be in so much pain. But who knows? We got a cool show today, actually, Rob. Why don't you, I think up first we're going to be hearing about your coverage of the Merchant's Corner o- official opening. Give, give us a little sort of outline about what you learned uh, this last weekend when, uh, when the Merchant's Corner Hotel officially opened up. So we actually had the chance to uh, learn a lot of really great insights. Um, the Winnipeg Foundation had a community learning session at the Merchant's Corner in advance of the grand opening, which took place on Saturday. 
Um, and so we heard from a few of the people who were really involved in the project. We heard from Hijab Mitra, the architect. Um, we've had her on the show before to talk about Merchant's Corner. Um, we heard as well from Rob Newfeld, who was previously the executive director of the North End Community Renewal Corporation. And we heard from Shannon Bunn, and she is the community coordinator at Merchant's Corner. Um, it was really cool. We had a chance to, as I mentioned, hear those presentations and then also to take a tour of the building. And having covered, uh, you might have heard earlier in the year, our story on Merchant's Corner. Uh, we spoke to Jim Silver and Kathy Mallett from the steering committee of Merchant's Corner. Um, and at that time, we didn't have a chance to go in the building because it was still under construction. There was still a tarp over half the building and things were still being worked out. Um, but in hearing about that and hearing, uh, seeing some of Hijab Mitra's presentations about the building and now getting to actually see it up close and, and see all the really interesting design features, um, it truly is a very remarkable building and, and hopefully, um, hopefully this entices you to go and, uh, go and visit it for yourself because there's, uh, there's going to be a lot of, really great community events that'll be coming up uh, in the next few months at Merchant's Corner. And uh, yeah, excited to uh, to have had the opportunity to actually go and see it now that it's all ready and, and open to the public. And uh, looking forward to seeing all the, uh, all the wonderful events that'll come out of it. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your story and what you got from last week on the Merchant's Corner. But uh, before we get into that, Meat and Potatoes, how about uh, Isn't This Lovely Day by Fred Astaire to kick things off right here on River City 360. Now you've got to remain 
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, this past Saturday, Merchant's Corner held its official grand opening. The building was formerly known as the Merchant's Hotel. A few years ago, it was purchased and closed down, and now it's been redeveloped into this educational and cultural hub here in the North End. I had a chance to attend a community learning session that the Winnipeg Foundation held at Merchant's Corner just a couple days before the grand opening and spoke to Merchant's Corner's community coordinator, Shannon Bunn, about the redevelopment. Shannon, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome, and thank you for coming down to the Merchant's Corner. I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit about the process briefly about how this space went from the Merchant's Hotel to the Merchant's Corner. Well, from my understanding and the history that I know of this place, because I grew up in the North End, I knew the Merchant's Hotel used to be a bad place for, for, for the community and for and it was and had a bad reputation for the people who hung around it. Um, it used to be surrounded by people who are gang members, selling drugs, prostitution, and violence just all around the space. And people were actually really scared to come around the building. People used to actually avoid the building probably about one block radius around just to avoid this space because they were worried about the people that were that were around the building. They had eventually closed it down, the community had closed it down, and they talked about tearing it down, but there was a lot of talk about also revitalize, re- revitalization of the neighborhood, and the Merchant's Corner was one of them. I'm actually really glad that they never did tear down the old hotel because for myself, when I come into this building or when I see this building, it reminds me of what it used to be and what it has become today, and today it has become a community hub for everyone, for university students, for for the youth who are attending the CETA Pathways program, and also just for community members in whole. A lot of people like to come in just to look around the space, and I welcome everybody who, who, want, who want to come through our door and just to look. And for them, they're just in such awe of what the space has become. You know, Merchant's Corner was really built by such a grassroots effort. Um, There were so many different organizations involved, so many funders and partners who came together, and a lot of community members who really provided their input and shared what what their vision was for the space and how they wanted it to design and, and maybe most importantly, how they wanted to feel while they're here. Can you speak to some of that grassroots effort that came together to to make Merchant's Corner what it is? I know there was a lot of community consultation and there was also a lot of talk about the steering committee as well. And so from the steering committee, it was actually a lot of businesses that had come together and they talked about what they would like to see the space of and how they all stuck together going through the process of building the Merchant's Corner from fundraising to the design to what it is today. And it, there definitely have been some some ups and downs in the process of finally realizing this space, but I'm, I'm sure they'll all be very proud to see what the end result has been. I agree. And like I said, a lot of people are coming through the space as well. And like I said, even um, other organizations like today, there was a lady who used to work at Mount Carmel and she just came through the space and she was, um, she was really happy to see what this building has become. It was just great to share the presentation today and to be a part of it. Education is such a such an important component of Merchant's Corner with the University of Winnipeg's Urban and Inner City Studies located here now, as well as uh, CETA Pathways has its educational programming here as well. I'm wondering if you can speak to that educational involvement and, uh, and, and sort of how the two are interconnected. 
there's actually a lot of ways it's, it's connected together. Like, for example, I want to talk about participants who, who started in the CETA Pathways program. So they are youth who are attending high schools around the North End, or else like TechBoc. And they take the mentoring and tutoring program through the CETA Pathways, but they're also given opportunities to volunteer in the community. Also, they're given peer mentoring, it's called, where they're given paid positions to help out in the community whatever way they can. And it just kind of gives them a good incentive to continue to work hard and to see what they could achieve from their hard work. And with that being said, uh, there are a few participants who started off as participants and then eventually became CETA Pathway mentors. And also, they are also students of the Inner and Urban Studies program as well. With that example, there's high school students and university students, but then also there's programming for adults and entire families and elders. And it's really a building that if you if you're in the North End, if you're connected to the North End community, there's always something for you here. For sure. So our goal is actually to start opening up the space for seven days a week. And we want to provide inve- uh, events that are drug and alcohol free that families can participate in, that youth can participate in. And um, so that's our real goal to, ha- to have that started by the summertime. Just so again, just so we offer everything that we possibly could that the community wanted. And Meet Me at the Bell Tower is, is holding programming here. They'll be our third tenant within this space. Why was housing an important component of Merchant's Corner, and how will it positively affect the people who are studying? The housing is not just open to the students who attend programming at the Merchant Corner. So we have we have opened it up to, to people who are taking entrepreneurship programs, to people who are taking um, employment skill programs, such as BUILD, such as MGR, and, and also to who are taking courses like off-site, like such as at the University of Winnipeg. And because we want to provide somewhere for these people to have a safe place to live and you know to have having that a safe place to live is going to only help you succeed with with your training or with your education that's fantastic and i'm i'm wondering if you can also speak to some of the future plans for merchants corner cedas here and uw has its urban and inner city studies program here but there's also space for merchants corner to grow and you know plans for a cafe i'm wondering if you can speak to some of those some of those future plans that are on the horizon definitely so yeah, we would like to open up a cafe in the common area. And with that cafe, we want it to be a social enterprise. And also that it can also be a student-led cafe as well for, for who people who are facing barriers to employment. And so that we could give them that opportunity to get their first job, to get their foot in the door um, in the cooking industry as well. And just to give them some new skills as well. So we hope that we can do that with this new cafe that we are that we want to open in the near future. I'd like to add that we also have the community component uh, in this building. So what we want to do is actually offer offer spaces, offer venues for people who who want to use our facility for their events, such as coming to do a drum practice, or coming to do a a workshop for the community, or to even just hold a corporate meeting here as well. So we want to have it open to everybody. That's fantastic. Shannon, thank you so much for uh, for speaking with me about Merchant's Corner today. I really appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome, and thank you as well for giving me that opportunity to share our story. When we come back, we'll speak with Hijab Mitra, the architect who designed Merchant's Corner. But before we get to that, we're going to take a quick musical break. Here are Jerry and the Pacemakers with How Do You Do It, right here on River City 360. How do you do what you do to me? I wish I knew. 
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today, and we're continuing our coverage of the recent grand opening of Merchant's Corner and had a chance to speak with Hijab Mitra, the architect who designed the project. Hijab, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Now that Merchant's Corner is, uh, as of us recording, it's just on the cusp of its grand opening and going, you know, seeing everything and going through the space, how does it feel to come to the realization of the project? I am extremely overwhelmed with uh, coming to uh, the grand opening right now because I am happy to see that the community's vision has come true. And I am excited to see what the reaction of the community would be. And I'm hoping that um, they all would love the space. One of the things that um, that was really key for you was getting to the grassroots. Um, and you really emphasized that when you spoke about the project at uh, the Vital Conversation, making sure that there was consultations from basically everyone in the community. And you, you mentioned uh, tonight speaking to 3,900 people uh, just in the North End neighborhood about what they wanted to see for the project. Can you speak to that process and why was that so important and so key to how the Merchant's Corner evolved and came to how it is to be? That's a very good question. Um, To me, when I was hired as an architect, I was given the responsibility of starting everything grassroots, and I felt that I have to meet my responsibility. Uh, But from another perspective, I do feel that it is important for stories of people to be converted into the building so people can respect the building forever. So in this case, the design of the Merchant's tells the stories of the people who live in it, who work in it, and the people who imagined it. And it will go on forever, and the stories will just get better. And for generations, people will remember how their stories were incorporated in the building. And so it's very important that as architects, we look at buildings as living or, or, or living things rather than another building so that the building can be lived after I hand it over to the community. And for years to come, people can celebrate 
their ancestral history and continue the building. And if it is their own building and their own vision, people will start respecting the spaces better and the community will become a closer place. And I liked what you mentioned with regards to the history of the building, because in more recent years, it has, you know, not had the greatest reputation. But you did emphasize that it hasn't always been that way. And so recognizing, you know, that positive history at the very beginning and being able to continue building on that and and, and in this revitalization, making sort of a new vision for a positive space that can really be what the neighborhood not only needs, but what the neighborhood also wants as well. That's very true, and I considered this building to be a part of my life story. My life story and my history and where I come from and where I go is not always good. There's always bad and challenges through people's lives. And as human beings, we've learned how to deal with positives, negativity. I just don't abolish everything that went bad in my life. I have to live with it till I die. And so when people had negativity about the building, I tried to understand the history and say, there's so much positive, we just can't erase it. What we can do is try to make the bad memories feel better and move on to happier memories. So once I explained to them that everybody's life has challenges, bad memories, good things, but we always, as human beings, it is a tendency to just go on to the bad right away. How often do you hear somebody saying, oh, I've had such a good life? It is easy for someone to say, oh, my life was terrible during this year and this year and this year. Like, so it is very important that we remember that we have a long life, we have a long history, and we are who we are because of our ancestors, and the genes continue. So if Selkirk Avenue was one of the most flourishing communities, my job as an architect is to get us there. And with the help of the community, we hope that we will get there again. And it definitely looks like it's well well on that path that, you know, what started is already having a positive impact. It can only go further and further from there as time goes on and as as people come by and, and really use that use this space to uh, to connect and to learn and to grow. Absolutely. And I look forward to that. And I look forward to come back and visiting Shannon and everybody here in this building and listen to their stories. And hopefully we'll keep revitalizing this neighborhood. Can you speak to the influence that, you know, the people you had consulted with had on the overall vision of the building and also of the design process? You spoke about, for instance, the medicine wheel and uh, and the building being an opportunity for all. This building is not my design. I have to say that this building is what the community wanted it to be. And the community had given me their vision. They wanted it to be a home, a place to feel safe a place where there's only peace and a place for opportunity for everyone. And my job as an architect was to create a space to meet their requirements. And that's all we did, yeah. Anything else you'd like to uh, to add about Merchant's Corner before we go? Oh, I just want to thank the Winnipeg Foundation for being a huge part of this and helping us get where we are. And I hope that there will be a lot more opportunities to revitalize the city just like this. And I hope that every human being insists that the building is based on their community and not just another building set in their community. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing your story with us um, about the process of revitalizing this building because it really goes to show that when you when you involve people and when you involve community, 
maybe people have perceptions that the neighborhood is is more divided than it actually is because from from what you were presenting even though you spoke to so many different demographics of people they really all came together and really all wanted the same thing and now that's here and that's you know it's it's so important that there is this this central hub in the neighborhood that is really again as as mentioned an opportunity for all Yes, absolutely. This is going to be a beacon of hope. And um, I think this we are here today because of the 100% support of the North End community. And if not for them, I probably wouldn't be standing here to see this beautiful building either. Well, thank you so much, Hijab Mitra, for speaking with me today. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. Coming up next, we're going to learn about a new report that came out yesterday, and it's actually urging our mayor and the city to make poverty reduction a priority in the upcoming election. The report, which is titled Winnipeg Without Poverty, Calling on the City to Lead, was released yesterday, as I mentioned, and we were in attendance to speak with a couple of members of their steering committee to learn more. We're going to hear from Laurie English and Kirsten Bernass after our next musical break. So here's Baja Marimba Band with The More I See You right here on RC360. Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I am uh, on location at uh, the Make History Mani- Make Poverty History Manitoba Winnipeg Without Poverty Calling on the City to Lead Report Launch. I'm sitting with Laurie English, who is the chair of the uh, steering committee, and I'm with uh, Kirsten Bernass, who is one of the uh, authors and researchers. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Nolan. Good morning. Happy to be here. So we just want to talk a little bit about uh, what initially kicked off this report and why it's important for Winnipeg. Laurie, if you want to take that one. 
Sure. Um, well, I think the the impetus of the report was a conference that was attended in Edmonton back in 2016 called Cities Reducing Poverty When Mayors Lead. And what we learned as community leaders at, in attending that conference was that a number of municipalities across the country were taking a real leadership role in addressing poverty in their cities. And cities like Edmonton and Calgary uh, were seeing a lot of leadership from their mayors in addressing poverty and, and introducing comprehensive poverty reduction strategies for their respective cities and what we didn't see happening here in Winnipeg was anything even similar to that and so that led a number of community leaders in Winnipeg to talk about how we could motivate the city to get engaged with the subject. So Kirsten you're sort of going to speak a little bit to the statistics and and the report itself. I know that there's uh, dozens maybe 50 you said of different recommendations. What are some of the things that uh, you gained from uh, learning all of these, all of the stuff from the report that you think is very uh, important to push forward to to uh, the municipality and to our mayor. Mm-hmm. I think that the main message is actually really a high level message, which is that you know upon reviewing what what other jurisdictions are doing, we learned two main things. One is that there's much more that the city of Winnipeg can be doing. Um, other jurisdictions that are taking leadership around poverty reduction um, are doing it through comprehensive strategies. They're looking at all the different areas that they have jurisdiction over as a city and thinking about what they could be doing to reduce poverty um, through actions in those areas. And so uh, we want to see the same thing happen here. And the second kind of high level conclusion that we took from reviewing other jurisdictions is that um, those that are most successful have been those where the mayor has been champion for the poverty reduction plan and so that's really um, what what we're calling um, on our mayor to, to do here and just take leadership for developing a plan and being accountable to it. Was there anything in the data or in the research that surprised you um, when you were sort of going through everything? Um, I mean you know, we certainly weren't surprised when we uh, around the the poverty-related data. Like we knew poverty is a problem in our city. Like we've known that for many years. Um, I think um, what, uh, it was a bit interesting to learn some of the um, poverty rates that were. Um, located in some of the more affluent communities in our city, right? Because a lot of people just think of poverty as an inner city issue, and it certainly is. Uh, but just as an example, we, we know that, or we learned that um, in the St. Vitale community area, you know, it has a poverty rate of around, uh, I think, 12% or 14%, uh, which you know, is, is low compared to our inner city communities, but within St. Vitale, the la- neighborhood of Lavalie has uh, 40% poverty rate, right? So I think that's just something that we need to keep in mind when we are taking action to reduce poverty in Winnipeg, that we're not just looking at inner city communities, we're looking at what's happening for people that are living in um, some of the other communities that we don't normally pay much attention to around this issue. It seems it's certainly a city-wide issue that we need to address from that uh, perspective. Lori, when you sort of look around and see a full uh, room today at the report launch and, and hear all the support, how does it make you feel when you see that the sort of grassroots and people of our city are really behind this initiative? 
Uh, to be honest, I was really overwhelmed today. You know, we get very narrowly focused when we are working on a report like this, and it often feels like we see familiar faces around the table all the time, and we, we wonder, are we just preaching to the choir? And so I wasn't sure what turnout was going to look like today. And to walk into a packed room to get 90, over 90 endorsements from community agencies across the city is such an overwhelming level of support for what we're trying to do here. It really encourages me and makes me believe that Winnipeggers care and they want to see our most vulnerable citizens taken care of and that that gives us the energy to keep pushing this as a, a real agenda item for this next election. So the election obviously is coming up next year. Uh, what, are, what, are, what's, what are some things that the average person can do to, uh, to drive this cause forward? Well, I think one of the things they can do is sign the petition. So if they want to, uh, people want to sign the petition online, they can visit our website at www.winnipegwithoutpoverty.ca and sign our online petition. And what that will help us do is to demonstrate to mayoral and city councillor candidates that there is a real commitment throughout the city to address poverty as a major election issue. They can also get involved with the campaign, becoming part of Make Poverty History Manitoba, uh, even more specifically as in the city working group. Um, we're always looking for new voices at the table and, and so we would welcome participation from anyone. Kirsten, uh, where can people find the report itself and maybe how could you help guide people through all the data? Um, so the report right now can be found at winnipegwithoutpoverty.ca. Um, you can also find our petition there and um, a piece of the the plan looks at the data that I just kind of touched on but there's quite a bit more in there looking at uh, not just the overall rate of poverty in Winnipeg but poverty rates by ward looking at different demographics that tend to be overrepresented in poverty uh, so although some of those numbers are in there as well as looking at um, other indicators of poverty, right? So like who's experiencing homelessness in our communities? Uh, what uh, does food insecurity look like? Uh, child apprehension rates, these kinds of things. Uh, so all of that information is in there and um, you know, while we may be brief about it, there are um, um, links to all the, the sources where that data comes from. So, yeah. Yeah, so pretty much whatever world that you work within or want to help out with, there's so many different aspects that contribute to poverty. So you can find something in there that's relevant to you. Absolutely. I think we've tried to engage as many different sectors as possible, the business community, unions, community-based organizations, policymakers, and we're hoping that everyone can find an entry point. I think it would be... Um It'd be fair to say that most people know someone who's been touched by poverty. And so when you think about your neighbor, your family, yourself, um, what do you need to see to know that everyone has opportunities to live their best life? And that's what we're asking the city to step up and do. For sure. Well, good luck in the uh, coming years. Congratulations on the, I mean, two-year-long process and finally getting this report out. Really appreciate your time, Laurie and, K and uh, Kirsten. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Nolan. Thanks, Nolan. And for more information about this report, as was mentioned, you can visit winnipegwithoutpoverty.ca. Coming up next, summer is right around the corner, and if you're looking for something to do, we'll tell you about some medieval summer fun that's good for the whole family through Habitat for Humanity Manitoba's upcoming events. Before we get to that, though, here is Peter and Gordon with Sunday for Tea, right here on River City 360. Sunday for Tea I'll see you Sunday for tea And though it's not far away Each hour is a day to me 
lettuce and ham, or maybe crumpets and jam. Oh, baby, it'll be fun having a Sunday tea. And as you pass the sugar bowl to me, I'll see at last your heart and soul will be with me. Sunday could be a special Sunday for me. Together we'll surely find the two of a kind are we. And as you pass the sugar bowl to me, I'll see at last your heart and soul will be with me. Sunday for tea, I'll see you Sunday for tea. Together we'll surely find the two of a kind, are we? Welcome back to River City 360. I'm Sunny Promomo, and with me today is uh, Sandy Hopkins, CEO of Habitat for Humanity Manitoba, who's here to talk about a couple of upcoming events happening soon. Uh, welcome to the show, Sandy. Thank you. I'm glad, very pleased to be here. Habitat for Humanity Women Build uh, will be hosting an event called the Amazing Foot Race. What is the Amazing Foot Race? Well, it's a, a sort of a local version of uh, of the Amazing Race, uh, and we have uh, centered it in uh, different parts of the community uh, at, at different years. Teams sign up, and they have uh, an obstacle course and uh, some uh, scavenger hunting and, and some uh, uh, tasks that they need to complete. Uh, and the fastest, of course, uh, wins, and hence the, it's, it's a race. But it's great fun for everybody who participates, and uh, we have a number of teams who have been with us so from the beginning and they, they come back because it's such a fun event. That sounds super fun. As mentioned earlier, this is a fundraising event and what are you fundraising for and what is the goal? Well, Habitat for Humanity uh, works with low-income working families to help them to be able to purchase their first home. Uh, and the way we do that is to uh, build the home and sell it to the families at uh, market price. What makes it affordable are the terms. There's no down payment on the house, no interest on the mortgage for 15 years, and payments are geared to the family's ability to pay rather than the value of the property. So we're raising money to be able to build the homes. Um, while we have volunteer labor that help us and we do get some materials donated to us, our out-of-pocket cost is about $175,000 per house, and that does not include the land on which the home is built. So there's a significant capital outlay required for each of the houses that we build um, and we raise money in the community to cover those out-of-pocket costs to 
build the homes. Unfortunately, the registration deadline to join has passed, but is there still time to donate? Uh, it, the registration deadline is, is the piece. The uh, money is raised through the teams who register and participate in the event, and um, if, if somebody wanted to call us up and make a donation to this, we, we'd be delighted uh, to have that, but uh, typically that's not the way it works. It's the participants in the event itself. When and where will the foot race take place? Uh, Saturday, May 5th at the Canadian Mennonite University. Uh, and we're hopeful that uh, the teams combined will raise uh, about $10,000. Uh, there is a different twist to the event this year in that uh, it's called uh, Game of Homes, which is a play on the Game of Thrones. And the tasks are going to be uh, medieval in nature. Uh, and we're keeping secret what those actually are so that there's a, a great surprise for the participants, but more importantly, they all learn at the same time what it is they, they will have to do. The Amazing Foot Race seems to be a really fun way to build the mind and body, so if you are in the Shaftesbury area, make sure you check it out. Uh, we are going to take a short musical break, but when we get back, Sandy and I will talk about another event this summer that will be fun for the whole family. Stay tuned. With a wave of his hand, nobody can deny that there's something there. There, running my hands through his hair, both of us thinking how good it can be. Someone is speaking. But he doesn't know she's there I want him everywhere And if he's beside me I know I need never care But to love him Is to meet him everywhere Knowing that love is to share Each one believing that Watching his eyes and hoping I'm always there everywhere. Nobody can deny that the sun.
Welcome back to River City 360. We're here with Sandy Hopkins, CEO of Habitat for Humanity Manitoba. So Sandy, you have another event happening on August 12th called Muddy Waters. Tell us about that. Sure. Uh, it's a cycling event. Uh, we actually have three uh, cycling events, and uh, this is the, the shortest of the three in the sense that it's a one-day event. There are various distances that the cyclists uh, can travel. There's a family event, a uh, family cycle, which is more around Kildonan Park and in that general area and uh, doesn't cover a great distance because we want to be able to have something for the, for the little ones to be part of as well. Um, and then there are three uh, length distances beyond that uh, 60 kilometers 100 kilometers and 100 miles uh, and those are for the uh, more dedicated cyclists of course the 60 kilometer event uh, uh, runs from Kildonan Park uh, up north <coughs> towards uh, Selkirk and uh, there's a route that's laid out of course that uh, then brings them back to the park and covers the 60 kilometers 100 kilometers uh, cover and 100 miles do the same thing uh, and then of course go beyond that and the 100 kilometer event uh, loops through Selkirk and uh, across the bridge and then back uh, to uh, uh, the park and then the 100 kilometer 100 mile event rather uh, also takes people through a couple of loops around Birds Hill Park and some of the uh, back roads out behind uh, Birds Hill to get to the full 100 miles. Uh, interestingly uh, we have the largest uh, component of the entrance uh, sign up for the longest of those journeys the full 100 mile ride. Oh, wow, that's amazing. But what's even more awesome is that there is plenty of time to register still. Uh, how can people do that? Uh, they can do it online is, is probably their best bet. Uh, everything is on our website at uh, habitat.mb.ca. Uh, and uh, we do have a fundraising component to that. We ask each of the cyclists who are participating to raise a minimum $100. Ideally, they will do substantially more than that. And as a bit of incentive, anyone who raises $300 or more will receive a cycling jersey, uh, Muddy Waters commemorative jersey, to uh, indicate that they will participate in the event. That's really awesome. And this, of course, is a family-friendly event. So what can families expect? Well, it's it's in the park, and so there's a real park kind of atmosphere and, and feel to it. Um, there will be uh, lots of uh, fun and games uh, for, for people. There's, there's food, uh, beverage. Uh, we have a safety station, of course. Uh, and uh, it's a, just a, a wonderful way for families to uh, both uh, stay fit uh, and help in the community, uh, and they will get to meet others who have the same view of life as they do and there's a great sense of camaraderie among all of the people who are participating. That sounds amazing. Uh, again, Muddy Waters will be taking place August 12th, 2018, so be sure to register. One thing I love about Winnipeg is our culture of giving and support. One great example of, of this is the Winnipeg Youth Course will be holding a benefit concert in support of Habitat for Humanity on May 14th. What does their support mean to you? Well, this is the first time we've uh, worked with the Winnipeg Youth uh, Orchestra and, so we're very, and Chorus, and we're very, very happy to be able to do that. Uh, they're a great organization and uh, have worked with a number of charities in the community, and so we're honored that they have decided to work with us. Uh, the support uh, is wonderful. The uh, money that's raised always is welcome. But uh, more importantly, uh, this will introduce us to uh, perhaps some people who aren't as familiar with Habitat uh, but are uh, follow the uh, the chorus and uh, will come out to the, to the event to hear what they how they sound and uh, learn a little more about uh, Habitat for Humanity. The Building Hope Benefit Concert will be held at the Centennial Concert Hall. Tickets are $25 for adults and $14 for students, with proceeds going to Habitat for Humanity Manitoba. You can purchase your tickets at centennialconcerthall.com and be sure to check that out as well. Habitat for Humanity Manitoba does a lot for our community. Can you let our listeners know what Habitat for Humanity does and what Woman Build is all about? 
Sure. Um, Habitat for Humanity uh, works with low-income working families to be able to uh, purchase their first home. Uh, there are a number of requirements to be part of the program, but the most important uh, one and, and first requirement is that one adult in the family is working full-time and has done so for at least two years. Uh, and, of course, we are working with families with children, so we want to be sure there's someone under the age of 18. The family has to be in need of housing, and that's always the easiest for them, uh, thing for them to demonstrate, of course, and they need to be willing to partner with us, which means a few things, including completing 500 hours of sweat equity before they can purchase their home. Uh, and purchase the home they do uh, at uh, market uh, rates, an independent third-party professional appraiser uh, comes in and values the particular home that is being built for the family, and that's what forms the mortgage. Um, what makes it affordable for the families is there's uh, no down payment, no interest on the mortgage for 15 years, and payments are geared to the family's ability to pay rather than the value of the property. Uh, Habitat uh, builds uh, 20 to 25 homes a year across Manitoba. The majority of those, of course, are uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, this year, for example, we're building 18 uh, in the city and uh, seven at uh, a few locations and communities outside of Winnipeg. Uh, Women Build is one of our programs, and we have a very uh, ambitious and successful and dedicated uh, Women Build committee who raise uh, about $150,000 each year to uh, cover the cost of getting a home built, and they coordinate uh, uh, female volunteers who come out and do the majority of the construction on the house. Uh, it's a very uh, successful program. Uh, it has been running here in, in Winnipeg since uh, 2005, uh, and uh, they have built now uh, close to uh, 20 homes, uh, and so we're very thrilled to be working with uh, the women who make that program work. That sounds awesome. For those unable to attend the great events that you are all holding, but would also like to support Habitat for Humanity Manitoba, where can people go to get more information? Uh, our website is www.habitat.mb.ca, and there is everything on that uh, website uh, about our programs, about the special events, about ways in which people can get involved as a volunteer. Um, one of the uh, myths about Habitat is that the only way you can volunteer is to swing a hammer, and that's not the case at all. We have volunteers uh, helping us in our restores and uh, we have two restores in Winnipeg one in Brandon we'll be opening our third restore in Winnipeg on Inkster uh, this summer so certainly volunteers there we have uh, some volunteers who assist us in the office uh, with a variety of administrative tasks uh, all of the events that we've talked about and other events that we operate as well that we haven't had an opportunity to speak about today have volunteer committees that, uh, that are involved and we have a significant number of volunteers uh, working uh, to coordinate our activities in our chapter communities across Manitoba. So there's a great opportunity for people to uh, assist us um, by donating their time, donating their money, donating materials, uh, or doing all three of the above. Thanks once again, Sandy, for speaking with us today. Uh, is there anything else you would like to add before you go? Well, we are just thrilled <clears throat> to have had the support from the Winnipeg Foundation for as many years as we have. They've assisted us uh, to build capacity in a variety of ways. They've assisted us with, with staffing, with with software, with helping us to uh, get a, our second restore up and running, uh, and in a variety of other uh, manners. And so uh, we're uh, just so happy to be uh, one of the organizations that uh, Winnipeg Foundation uh, provides support to each year. Thank you, Sandy. Thanks, Sunny. Looking forward to this coming summer so we can enjoy those events and more. We've got more River City 360 on the docket, uh, but before we get to that, let's play another song. How about uh, Sean Cassidy with Dadu Ron Ron right here on River City 360. Mm -hmm. 
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today, and it's now time for a segment called This Week in Winnipeg, where we take a look at some of the various community events that are happening throughout our city. And there is a lot going on this week, so we'll just get started. First off, the Rainbow Harmony Project is holding its spring concert on Saturday, May the 5th, called Hold Fast to Dreams, and it takes place at Crescent Fort Rouge United Church at 525 Wardlaw Avenue. That, again, is happening Saturday, May the 5th at 7.30 p.m., and tickets are $15. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit rainbowharmonyproject.ca. This weekend is also Jane's Walk. There are several community walks that are being held throughout the city from Friday, May 4th to Sunday, May the 6th. Um, If you've listened to RC360 in past years, we've had some interviews and gone on some Jane's Walks ourselves, so they're a lot of fun, and you get to learn a little bit more about different neighborhoods in our city. This year's Jane's Walks include walks in Glen Elm, Transcona, West Broadway, and at the University of Manitoba's Bannatyne and Fort Garry campuses. If you'd like to learn more about Jane's Walks in Winnipeg or see the full schedule of the walks that are taking place this weekend, you can visit facebook.com forward slash Jane's Walk WPG or just search for Jane's Walk Winnipeg on Facebook. On Sunday, May the 6th, the Winnipeg Jazz Orchestra presents How the West Was Swung. It's described as a concert of hard-driving western swing tunes arranged by Marion Evans, who arranged albums for the likes of Glenn Miller, Tony Bennett, Judy Garland, Count Basie, and more. There are two concerts happening. One is taking place at 2 p.m. and another at 7.30 p.m. And uh, both those concerts are taking place Sunday, May the 6th at the Winnipeg Art Gallery at 300 Memorial Boulevard. Tickets are $39, and to learn more, you can visit winnipegjazzorchestra.com. And finally, A&O Support Services for Older Adults is hosting the 55-plus Housing and Active Lifestyles Expo at the Victoria Inn and Convention Centre. Exhibitors include housing options, active lifestyle opportunities, and support services. That event is taking place Tuesday, May the 8th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and admission is free. And if there is an event that you'd like for us to promote here in the community... 
let us know. You can leave us a message on our listener line at 204-944-9474, extension 360, or you can send your event details via email to rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org. That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and thank you to all of our guests for speaking with us as well. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, visit us online at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the show. Please give us a call. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can leave us a comment about the show, request a song, or suggest a topic for a future show. Again, the phone number, our listener line's open 24-7. It's 204-944-9474, extension 360. If you want to find us on Twitter or Facebook, you can search at RiverCity360 on Twitter, and RiverCity360 is on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell, signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you.